Hello, 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 hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, I think we're actually here alive, which is great. Thanks for being here, everybody. Appreciate you. Before we start, I want to give a shout out to my mods. Kayla's Aquatics, Skipper's Aquariums, 54 Punchy, The Art of Fish Keeping, Candy Overholes, and Lumpy Dog. I just want to thank you guys. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, some of you have been modding for, I think, over a year, year and a half, something like that. Just week after week being here to help out. Um, help me through the struggles of the beginning when I was first getting started. And I just want to thank you for your contribution because it's huge. So thanks. I appreciate it. You guys do a great job. And uh, yeah, just thanks so much. Now, as we grow, um, please do one of you, if we do get to the point where we're growing and, and it's hard to mod and hard to keep up and stuff, um, let me know and I'll, I'll make any changes that you guys need in order to keep up or to make it so that it's a pleasant job. I don't want it to be an onerous thing, right? Uh, it's a volunteer thing. And so it, it should be fun. So just let me know if we get to the point where it's like, Ooh, it's busy. We need someone else. Or I don't think we're at slow chat yet, but if we ever get to the point where it's like, no, we got to enable slow chat or whatever, just, just let me know. I, I just want you to know I'm thinking of you and want to do what I can to make this good for you. Um, all right. So got a lot of things to cover. <laughs> um, where should we start? Uh, okay. So due to the holidays, Christmas and New Year's Day fall on Wednesdays this year. So we won't be having a stream next Wednesday or the following Wednesday. The next stream will be January 8th. Um, so happy holidays. I hope everyone's having a great time. See you January 8th. <laughs> That's when we'll be back again. Um, the next shipping date, just because there's going to, I'm just afraid of delays. If I ship next week or the week of New Year's, when New Year's is like kind of in the middle of the week, there can be big problems shipping with delays. So I, I want to hold off. So feel free to order if there's anything you want. I'll hold, hold it for you. And the next shipping day will be January 6th or 7th. So um, my anniversary is the weekend of the 4th. And so it might be the seventh before I get everything all packed up and out to go. It, it just depends. If, if there's only a few orders, I can probably get them out on the sixth. But if there's a lot, then it might be the seventh before they go out. So, so just be aware of that. Um, I've got a whole bunch of notes here. So let me cross off what I've got done. Okay. So some folks have asked for gift certificates um, for the holidays. And so I made them a couple weeks ago and I just haven't remembered to tell you guys. So I do have them. I made them for 10, 25, 50 and a hundred dollars. So, and it's, it's free shipping. There's no cost to ship. The, the cost of the gift certificate total is just 10, 25, 50 or a hundred dollars. Um, and so if you were one of the people that wanted those, if you go to dancefish.com, uh, you can see them there. How it'll work is if you purchase one, then I will put a little code on it and send it to you. I'll email it to you. If you prefer a hard copy, I can just put it in the mail for you. But uh, 
it, it might, I don't know how quick the mail is going to go. So it might be better just to email it to you, however you want. We can do electronically or the old fashioned way, snail mail. And then you can give that to whomever you wish to give it to. And to redeem that, um, if they just email me, dan at dansfish.com, when they're ready to purchase and say, here's what I want and here's my gift certificate code, then, um, then yeah, then I'll apply the gift certificate to their order. And the gift certificate covers the fish and any plants or anything at all. It also covers shipping. So it's, it's kind of the same as cash. Um, and I think I'll probably set it to expire in like a year or something like that, just so that two years from now, out of the blue, 10 people don't go like, oh, hey, here's my gift certificate. And I'm like, well, I wasn't prepared for that. Right. So I think I'll set them to expire a year from their purchase date, something like that. So for those that wanted them, they are there. Um, so you're back to the list. Oh, OK. So this might be interesting for folks. So I like to do a, a shipping report. Um, had the last two weeks a little bit more losses than normal. My normal loss rate is less than half a percent. Um, less than half a percent of the fish arrive either DOA or, or don't make it past a few days after shipping. Like there was stress during shipping and a couple days later they're down, right? So it's a very small fraction of a percentage. But um, with the, the massive shipment I did a week ago and this week, we're a little higher. Um, the DOA rate was 1.6%. And the DOL rate, which is died later, like they arrived alive, but died a day or two later just because they arrived weak, is 0.8%. So the total percentage of issues we're having the last two weeks is 2.4%, which is a lot higher than normal. And I got some reports this week. I mean, it's still pretty low, 2.4%. I still think beats pretty much anyone else, I, I think. But um, but it sucks for those people that did experience the problems. And there's only a few. But I got a couple reports this week of folks that measured temperatures in the box um, right upon arrival. And there was a couple boxes that were down to the 50s, in the 50s. And that's lower than I like. I don't like it to get lower than the 70s. And I really get concerned if it goes below 65 degrees in the box. So I've done some changes to shipping. Um, I'm making it so that next day shipping is the only available way to ship for a little while until we start warming up a bit. Because if we're already getting boxes down in the 50s and it's just going to get colder from here on out for the next you know couple months or so, I think it's time to switch to next day shipping. So next day shipping is... The only option right now um, to buy from me. Now, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, if you live in Arizona, let me know and I could change that. But it's pretty cold on my end. So I think next day is the best. That starts at $35.50 for up to six fish, $54.50 for um, up to 15 fish, and $64.50 for up to 22, 24 fish, something like that. So it's, it's a little bit more expensive. Um, it's $10 more expensive for the small box. It is, oh, 
$15 more expensive for the medium box and about $15 more expensive for the large box than two-day shipping. But I think it will get us our critters uh, uh, healthy and happy and we won't have to I don't like this percentage. I don't like 2.4% having problems. That's just a lot higher than I want. And so with those temperature reports, I think it's time. So that's what we're doing. Um, and yeah, I hate to do it because I know it costs more, but I think it's, it's just fair. It's fair to the fish. It's not fair to you and me, but it's fair to the fish. And by the way, these are temperatures in boxes that weren't delayed. So I shipped them Monday. They got there today. And there was still some problems, even if, though they were only in the mail. I dropped them off at UPS Monday evening. So they were only in the mail Monday evening, Tuesday, and like the first half of the day today. So it's like one and a half days was still an issue. So when I send next day, they're usually there. I drop them off Monday in the afternoon. They're usually to you by the afternoon the next day. And so... Um, yeah, I just think that's that's fair to the fish, even though it's not fair to you and me. Um, and then I did some, for those that are interested in shipping fish or, or buying fish online, I did some comparisons. I went back to last year, these two weeks last year, when I was shipping USPS Express. And then I compared the delay rate to the last two weeks I've had with UPS. And it's substantial. So for these, for the two-week period in December that correlates to the two weeks we're going through now from last year, 73% of the boxes were late, were delayed in shipping, were at least a day late, sometimes two. Now, one of the weeks, 100% of the boxes was late, one of the two weeks by the USPS, United States Postal Service. Compared to UPS the last two weeks, only 7% of the boxes experienced delays. So um, I apologize to those that did experience delays the last two weeks. And one of them was really bad. One of them um, I shipped uh, after the big sale, I shipped on that Tuesday. And it didn't arrive till this week. It didn't arrive till Monday. Uh, amazingly, some of the fish were still alive. There were some losses. I think there were four or five losses. But this was a, a medium-sized box. So um, several still made it. A good proportion still made it. But they got lost. So UPS just straight up lost them. Now, that has happened to me with USPS as well. But just crunching the math, unemotionally looking at the statistics, UPS so far is much, much better at getting fish where they're going on time than USPS was this time last year. Again, USPS, 73% of the shipments were late. UPS, only 7%. So just some interesting math that might uh, come in handy for those that... Uh, are interested in, in how to ship fish and how the different services perform. Now, I'm only, this is a small sample. I'm only, well, it's a large number of shipments, but it's only a two week period. So it's not like I did a whole year and calculated the uh, delays or something. So it's not exactly a fair um, 
analysis because the sample size is so small out of the entire year, just two weeks. But this is the time of year that I really worry about shipping. It's cold and it's before the holidays, so you can tend to get a lot of delays. So this is the time that I'm most concerned. So this is the time I checked. And looks like UPS knocks the socks off USPS so far. Um, okay. So the last thing I want to talk about is the fish annex, which I'm building. Um, been working super hard on it. Here's a picture of some progress. I'm keeping a lot of this up on Instagram because it's a lot quicker to take a quick photo and upload it than make a whole video. I am making videos. I'm just behind on editing them and releasing them because I'm so focused on trying to get the build done. Um, and, you know, sitting down for a couple hours to edit a video, I, I just want to keep working. I really want to get it done. But here's a picture. So I took this a little earlier today. Here are four of the, um, what do we got? One, two, three, four, five, four of the nine stands. The other ones are done. They're just inside the garage. These ones out here aren't quite done. They've got some cross bracing, but they're missing the cross bracing in the middle sections, um, which is why they're not in the garage yet. I'm still working on them, but we're real close. The racks are almost done. I was hoping to finish these today, but I, I got to this point and had to set up the live stream. So this was about four o'clock um, this afternoon. So we are making progress. Um, I've got the water heater up. I've got uh, tomorrow, now that the racks are that far done, I'll finish the racks tomorrow, like for sure. Unless, you know, I get hit by a car, end up in the hospital. Like if I'm healthy and happy and everything's normal, I will get them done tomorrow, um, for sure. And so, um, I'm ordering all the aquariums tomorrow. So tomorrow I'm ordering 81 40 gallon aquariums to go in the space. And I've then it's all the uh, airline distribution system. So I'll be drilling. Oops. Am I still? I didn't. Yeah, I did transition. Okay, good. You're seeing me not like desktop. Good. Um, so I will be drilling tons of little holes in PVC pipe for tiny little air valves and tiny little water distribution valves. And I already know the tips of my fingers are going to be raw and sore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to wear gloves, but it's, sometimes it's hard with gloves because it's a delicate little maneuver. Yeah. All these tiny little outlets, you have to wrap them with Teflon tape and they're tiny little things and screw them into the plastic after you pre-drill them and stuff. So I'll video that process. Um, made a video of um, kind of finishing out the drain. I had to sand down some, grind down some cement to make the drain work properly because the drain was a little too high. I got the uh, water um, heater hung and everything. Got a date from the uh, HVAC guy. So the, the furnace and HRV system, and I'm putting an air conditioner in too, will be um, installed on the 30th of this month. So end of the month, he'll get in and get that going. And I'm doing an air conditioner. I don't have an air conditioner down here, but this is a basement. So it stays relatively cool. Um, I'm afraid if I don't put an air conditioner in, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to pay for it. But if I don't, in the summer, 
being that the uh, annex is an above ground facility, even though it has three inches of insulation in it, spray foam insulation, like really good stuff. I'm still worried that in the summer it's just going to get too hot. And I don't want to get in a position where fish are cooking. And then I call an HVAC guy and I'm like, Hey, I need an air conditioner. They're like, great. We can get to it next month. You know, I don't, I don't want <laughs> to be boiling fish. So I'm going to just go ahead and preemptively do it. Cause I know how warm it gets um, in my house upstairs in the summer, if I don't have an air conditioner and it's not as well insulated, but I, I, I just want to avoid the problem. So that's a unit that I can move to the warehouse when the warehouse is built and everything. So it's not a waste, but it's just more than I wanted to, to pay for up front. But there you go. That's where we're at. The fish tank barn, five bucks. Fish annex fund, spray foam for the win. Yeah, spray foam's amazing for fish facilities. It doesn't mold. It's waterproof. Um, it's basically like a big shipping box, like a styro liner, right? Yeah. Um, thanks so much for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required, but it makes the wife super happy. Um, last thing is the giveaway. So I'm going to give away some Emperor Tetris. I'm not going to be sending them out until after New Year's. But to enter that, the way you do that is hashtag Fishmas, F-I-S-H-M-A-S. Hashtag Fishmas, just to have a little holiday celebration. Let me, uh, let me make that a little bigger if I can so folks can see it better. There it is. All right. Now let me get back to normal size. Okay. Reset. Good. So that's what's going on with me, except it's it's been... It's been a little bit, I don't want to say miserable, but it's been a challenging build because it's outside. There's no heat in there yet. And what is the temperature right now? 27 degrees is the temperature right now. Um, next 10 days, let's see here. Today was a high of 38 and a low of 22. Um, so working out there in the cold, just things go slower because your hands get cold. And when your hands get cold, it's hard to do fine tuned work. Like my arms feel like jelly. I've been lugging around lumber and, and my hands are getting a huge workout just from drilling all these power tools I'm using. Um, so it's been a, it's been an interesting build. I would say if you have a choice, <laughs> build in the summer, but I don't have a choice. This is when I need to get it done. So um, totally worth it, though. We're getting close. I want it to be done by Christmas. And that wasn't like a hard, I have to be done by Christmas. But that was just a goal to get myself going where I thought if everything goes perfectly, then uh, then I'll probably be able to get it done uh, by Christmas, maybe. Um, it'll be a little bit after Christmas, but th that's still the kind of thing that drives me is give myself a deadline and go for it. Even if I don't make it, I'm not, it's not like if I don't make it, I'm going to fire myself or be upset. It's, it's just a way to motivate myself to get a bunch done. Um, so with the racks being done, all tomorrow, then tomorrow I should be able to start with the airline and water distribution drip system to each tank. Um, Chattanooga Ed, 25 bucks. Merry Christmas, Dan. Chattanooga, thank you so much. 
I appreciate that. $25 super chat. That'll help a ton. Thanks, Ed. And Merry Christmas to you, too. I hope you have a great holiday season. Um, so I'll get that all up and everything. So as soon as the tanks arrive, all I have to do is drill them and paint them. And we're in business. So it's going to be a little after Christmas, but we're still uh, we're still moving right along. We're doing OK. I'm not I'm not dismayed by the progress. Um, yeah, it's fine. It's moving along. All right. So with that, that's the update on and all the housekeeping on what's going on here. Um, yeah, I think I got it all. The most interesting to me was the vast difference between the massive number of delays I had last year from USPS versus the few number of delays I had this year from UPS. So that's that's telling. That gives me some actual information to use, which will be uh, helpful, I think. Um, fish ion tank ticks. I like that fish ion $1.99. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the super chat. Always appreciate it. Never required. Um, okay, I'm going to scroll up and I am in live chat. I know what you're looking at says top chat, but this is what I'm seeing. Live chat. This is what I'm reading. I don't know why what you see says live chat. Never, never will know. <laughs> but here we go. Looking for questions and comments at Dan's Fish. Lumpy Dog, not sure what to get the fish keeper in your life. How about a gift certificate for Dan's Fish? Thank you, Lumpy Dog, for, leak it, uh, for leaking that. <laughs> He's a whistleblower. He, he leaks the gift certificate <laughs> for linking that. I appreciate it very much. Um. Gabriel Mendez, any advice on traveling with my fish from Kansas to Florida, approximately 1,500 miles in the car? Yes. Um, Gabriel, the, this is, depending on how many fish you have, this might be a pain in the butt. And I know when you're moving, the last thing you need is another big chore. I know how chaotic it is to move. Um, my wife and I, for the first Several years of our marriage, we moved at least once a year. So I get it. I've moved a lot and often with fish. I would say I would pack them up just like I was shipping them. It's, it's a lot of work. It's no fun, but I would bag them up just like I was shipping them. And if you want to know how I ship them, I have a video on my YouTube channel. I have several videos on how I ship fish. That's exactly what I would do. I would pack them like I was going to ship them. I would put them in an insulated box and I would take them with me. Now, if you have any plants in that aquarium, um, then I would ship those as well. And the plants will help seed the aquarium when it arrives. As far as the aquarium goes, so I would, I would transfer the fish outside of the aquarium, right? In a, in a shipping box. The aquarium itself... I would um, just drain all the water I could, but leave the substrate damp. You might even want to get a little bit of newspaper, like old newspaper where the ink isn't going to you know, leak out or whatever, or a towel maybe, and lay it over the top. The idea is you don't want it to dry out 
and you want something porous over the top to kind of help keep the moisture in, but also to help air exchange so that as much bacteria as possible um, makes the trip in okay shape. Now you do want to clean the gravel well. So when you're draining the tank before you move it, I would get a gravel vacuum and just suck everything out that I could. I wouldn't remove it and scrub it under the sink or anything like that. But you you don't you want to get as much out as you can so that there's not anaerobic areas in it. So if it's full of fish poop and mulch and stuff and you don't have filters running water through it and stuff, then when it's traveling, it's just sitting there, that stuff can compact and you'll get anaerobic bacteria, which smells bad and is, is bad for your, the health of your tank in a situation like this. So you want to clean all that out so that the air has space to flow. I'm assuming you have gravel. Um, if you have gravel, the air has space to flow between each little piece of gravel throughout the whole bed of gravel during the trip. And you don't have to pump air through it or anything. Um, if it's clean and if it's damp and you put a towel over it or something, uh, then enough air will exchange that hopefully your nitrifying bacteria will survive the trip. It might be a good idea to get some of Dr. Tim's um, uh, nitrifying bacteria in a bottle just to have on hand for when you arrive in case the bacteria totally crashes during the trip. Um, but that's what I would do. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Oh, something you can do if you don't have substrate, then about a month before you move, go to like Home Depot or Menards or whatever, uh, Walmart, you know, go to your hardware store section and get some lava rock, rinse the lava rock and put a bunch of it in the aquarium. And a bunch of nitrifying bacteria will grow on that lava rock. And if you remove it a few weeks or a month later when you're ready to move and you put that in like a bucket um, with a towel over it so it stays damp, that can be a nitrifying bacteria bed. Or you could, I suppose, rig up a system where you kept the lava rock submerged in a bucket with like a some kind of air pump you could plug into your cigarette lighter or that runs on a battery or something um, if you wanted to have it kind of bubbling. That could work too. But uh, yeah, those are my best ideas for a long haul trip like that. If anyone else here um, has moved fish for a long haul and, and kind of has some tips or tricks that Gabriel should consider um, that would be helpful to have on hand. Please do leave them so we can help Gabriel out. That would be great. 54 Punchy, okay, I need coffee. We'll be right back. All right, Pam, and I hope you feel better soon. I, I saw that your live stream for tonight had been postponed due to the flu. So uh, hope you recover quickly. And unfortunately, no live stream tonight for 54 Punchy for those that were uh, looking forward to it, just so you know, it's been postponed. Now, if I'm wrong about that, Pam, please correct me, but I think that's the case. Tampa Tom Fishing. Hey, Tampa. I've been treating double dose of ICX one teaspoon, tablespoon, TBS, tablespoon salt per gallon. That's a lot, isn't that? Oh, maybe not. I'd have to do the conversions. And Levamisol. With daily water changes for the last week. Yesterday started seeing improvements. Today, most are ick free. Thank you. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, in Tampa Tom, 
two weeks from the date you started, whatever the date you started is, keep the treatment going for a full two weeks. Uh, otherwise, uh, you might not catch all the ick in its subsessed, subsessed, when it's, how do you say, how do you say that word? Susceptible? Yes. Jeez, that's a hard word. You might, the ick parasite only is susceptible to medicines in a free swimming stage. And so that's why you have to treat such long period to make sure that you've, uh, there aren't any cysts or adults still around that could then release more uh, cysts or create new free swimmers before 14 days is up. That would be my advice. Um, glad it's working. Um, I would cut the levamisole probably because levamisole is more for nematodes, for internal like roundworms and parasites. And um, I don't think levamisole is going to do much for the ick. And if you've been treating the levamisole um, like daily for a week, I would I would cease that. Usually when you treat levamisole, it's you treat it once, you wait, say, three days, you treat again, you wait three days, you treat one more time. It's usually not a medicine you use on the daily. Um, yeah, but I'm glad it's working. I'm, I'm glad everyone's ick free. I know how frustrating that can be. It's like, come on, come on, nothing's... Nothing's improving. Fish are dying. And then I'm glad you got to the point where it's clearing up. That's that's you've you've crossed the threshold. It's the magic moment. Yeah, it's no fun. And there are some strains that just are just a pain. Tasty fish sauce. Good to see you again. Did you install the spray foam or pay someone? Is it costly? I paid someone. I literally don't think you can DIY spray foam. I suppose you could go to like your big box store and buy a whole bunch of bottles of like great stuff or Loctite spray foam, big gap spray foam and do that. But that's going to cost you a fortune. That'll cost you more in just buying product than it would in paying someone to do it professionally, I think. Also, the great stuff brand it's kind of, uh, it's not as durable. It's like squishy. It, when it's hardened, it's not a real durable, hard substance. And um, the professionally installed spray foam is pretty darn rigid. Now, the Loctite stuff that you can buy at like Home Depot or whatever, I just say that because that, they're my big box store I have in town for hardware. Um, that stuff tends to come out a little more rigid but I definitely paid someone. I don't think it's, you know, when you do that, you have to have this big truck with the special mixer on it. It takes the chemicals, it mixes them together, the solutions and mixes them. Um, and then they have to wear like hazmat suits and ventilators and stuff. It's, it's kind of a, it's not something I can do myself. So I definitely paid someone. And, and is it costly? So um, in a 20 by 20 foot space, it costs, what did it cost? It costs $3,100. So $3,100 to do the annex. And one wall wasn't done because it's garage doors, um, big rolling doors. So that's three sides of that building and the roof. So yeah, it's pretty expensive. It's definitely more expensive than going and buying, um, you know, fiberglass insulation batting or 
uh, styrofoam insulation or something. But the reason I like it is it's airtight. Like there are no seams or anything. It, it seal. It's basically seals up the entire room and it's so waterproof. It's, it's not going to get a problem if it gets wet. It's not going to mold or degenerate or something like that. So yeah, it costs quite a bit. The fish tank barn. Hey Mike, the cold walk and build gets long, doesn't it? I can relate. Yeah. It's the cold build. The walk ain't so bad. It's like four feet. I have a four foot walk. <laughs> I walk out the door of this fish room, up some stairs, out one more door, four feet, and I'm in the annex. So, um, but building in the cold. Yeah. In fact, I'm, I'm a little worried. I might be getting sick. I might've pushed it too hard yesterday. I went, I've been going long hours and, uh, you start working, you start getting warm. So you take off your coat and you've just got like a sweatshirt on or something or a hoodie or whatever. And you go for a while and then you're cold, but don't realize it. And you're cold for quite a while. And it's like, man, I'm cold. You finally put your coat back on. Like I've been doing that for a few weeks now and um, I'm starting to feel a little, a little funky. <laughs> Hopefully I don't get sick, but if I do, it's my own fault. But yeah. Yeah. The cold build, I'm definitely feeling that. Uh, the walk, nah. All right. Let me make sure I'm not missing anyone. Thanks again for the super chats, folks. Just got to the fish ion tank ticks super chat. If you're wondering how far behind I am, I know it's always, <laughs> wow, how far behind is he this week? Pretty far, perpetually. Chewy LTD. Hey, Chewy, happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Um, thanks for being you, man. Glad you are here. Skippers Aquariums, I have a question. If you have a question, type at Dan's Fish for him to see. Yes. If it highlights for me, then I'll read it. If I'm not reading your chat, if I've skipped past it, it's just because it didn't highlight for me. I'm not ignoring you on purpose. If that happens, please repost it. And uh, if for some reason I still miss it, feel free to do like an all caps thing. Um, and if I still miss it, then Skippers Aquariums will bring it to my attention. But, um, yeah, I'll understand if you've posted a couple times and for some reason it's not highlighting on my end or I just keep not seeing it in you after two or three times, feel free to leave an all caps chat. I'll know you're not yelling. I'll know you're just being like, hey, hopefully this works. <laughs> Me, back row. <laughs> Jess Shrimp Granny. My Geos and Garamis have doubled. Geos tripled in size. I'm glad. Love them so much. Everybody's still getting along. Big Baby Geo is definitely the biggest and my favorite. Oh, that's awesome. I'm so glad they're doing well for you. And Geophagus are just amazing, amazing fish. And I bet you can get some breeding action before long. I had a pair that, that bred for me just recently. Um, unfortunately, they're a pair that they're a gimpy pair. I've had them for a long time and I'm, I'm not selling them just because they're missing. Each one's missing a... Uh, which fin is it that they're missing? I think it's a ventral fin that they're missing and their spines aren't exactly straight. So I'm I, when they spawn, I let them spawn. I just don't keep the babies. Um, they become right now what's in there with them. Some severums are in there. So they just, I just let the babies get eaten, but I'm glad they're doing well. That, that makes my heart happy because I did have 
a shipment of geos that didn't work out last week. And that bummed me out because they were, they were, they were good looking fish, man. And I, I had kept, I, I'd kept those, I'd raised them up from little one inchers. And when I sent them, they were three, four inches, uh, three inches. I don't want to exaggerate, but yeah, that hurts. So I'm glad to hear that yours are doing well. Nocturnal Aquarist, any tips for cleaning large or dense driftwood? Yes. Um, do I have my, I don't, so I get, um, I might be able to go grab it. Now I'm not quite sure where it is. I've rearranged some stuff. Um, I just use, there's a couple things you can use. One is like a wire brush, straight up go to your hardware store, get a wire brush and take the driftwood over to your sink and just scrub it out. That wire brush will like tear off any kind of decaying wood. It'll tear off algae. It'll, it'll really clean it well. Dirt, any dirt that's on there. Um, it's especially good to do that, I think, before you ever put it in your aquarium. But it could also work if it's been in your aquarium for a while. It's just like, man, this thing's nasty. You can also use really stiff bristled scrub brushes um, those can work as well, but a wire brush will definitely get like, bef if you have this old dirty piece of driftwood that you found or whatever, and you don't want to put it in your tank because it's dirty and gross. Um, if you scrub that down with a wire brush, it'll strip away down to the wood itself before you put it in. So that would be my suggestion. Um, that being said, once I put a piece of driftwood in my tank, I usually never clean it again. I, I usually rely on critters to eat. Like if it gets that white coating, that kind of gross white biofilm coating, I know it looks bad, but I love it because it's great food for, for lots of different fish will eat it. Lots of benthic feeders will eat it. Um, uh, fish that scrub algae and lots of fish chow down on biofilm. It's great for shrimp. It's great for snails. Um, so I actually like it when it gets the green kind of algae coating on it. I like that for the same reason. So usually once I put a piece of wood in the tank, I don't take it out because the critters are chowing down on it. Is it kind of decays away or goes through biofilm and algae coverings and stuff, but wire brush will take care of most things. Oh my goodness. I do declare Ginger Graves. <laughs> Thanks, Ginger. $9.99 super chat. Much appreciated. Never required, but it does make Brenda super happy. And I like the, uh, well, I always think these are pears. These are pears, right? I mean, it's pear shaped. It's got a little twig, little stem and a little leaf on its head. It's got to be like super pear, super pear. Anyway, Ginger, glad you're here. Thanks so much for the super chat. Um, glad the shipment went well this time and appreciate you. Rick Stidham, all the new arrivals have acclimated and are doing well. That's awesome, Rick. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm glad that that went well for you. Um, yeah, a little higher problem rate the last two weeks than I'm used to. So it's really nice to hear when things do well. Again, 2.4% problem rate is pretty darn low, but it's higher than I want when we're dealing with, you know, live animals. So but I hope they, uh, I hope they do well long-term Rick, uh, like in a couple weeks, if you have pictures or something to post on get gills, I'd love to see that and get gills, Facebook group, by the way, you can't just post them on get gills. 
It just won't let you do that. I mean, one day it would be cool to have like a little social area at getgills.com or something, but I don't know if that'll ever happen. Zach Billings, have you ever done, I'm sorry, have you ever gone to any fish stores near Denver and north of Wyoming? If so, what would you recommend? So, oh, north to Wyoming. North of Wyoming and Billings, there's a great store called Treasure State Aquariums, which I, I really like. I like the owners. I think that they are... I think they respect um, fish and and have the right approach. And stuff looked pretty good when I was there. But you're talking like uh, Fort Collins and all that area. So, yeah, I haven't been to Denver in about a year. And I can't remember. I went to two and wasn't impressed by either of them. I don't remember what their names were. I just was, I was there for work and uh, I just Googled fish stores and went to see a couple. There was one in the Fort Collins area or really north end of Denver area. I can't remember if it was all the way to Fort Collins or south of that, that I think it was called Poseidon or something like that, that I tried to go to, but it wasn't open yet. Like it was literally just... Uh, it was going to open like a week later or something, but no, Zach, I don't, I don't know much about the fish store scene, um, in Colorado and up to Wyoming. I'm sorry. I don't get down there that much. And when I do, I, I'm usually like in a super big hurry. It's like, I got to grab these fish from the airport and I want to get them back as soon as I can, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so they aren't in the bags any longer than is needed. Gabriel Mendez, thanks a lot. The moving will be next Saturday. Currently have three goldfish, one betta, seven tetras, and a dozen shrimp. Oh, well, that's not that bad. That's not that many to bag up. If the goldfish are a big size, um, they're going to take a pretty darn big bag. And also, try to make sure that they haven't eaten for a couple days before you bag them up. That'll help a lot. Anyway, there's a whole video on it on my channel on how I ship fish. Um, and it's not the only way to do it, but it's how I would do it if I was moving. Did I just see Annalie? Hello, Annalie. Glad you made it. Hashtag ozone. Jeremy Morell, does Levamisol fret? Treat, I think. All internal worms, including segmented flatworms or only nematodes slash roundworms. Um... So I don't know for sure the exhaustive list of which species it treats. I know it does like nematodes is kind of what it's uh, slash roundworms is kind of what it's formulated for. It's the go-to for Camelinus redworm for sure, but it does treat a lot of other things. I don't know if it would do flatworms or segmented worms and things like that. I really don't know that. I'd have to look again at how it, what the active ingredient actually does to the nematode. Um, I think it paralyzes it. I can't remember exactly. So I don't know, Jeremy, I don't know. Okay, scrolling up because chat jumped as it is wont to do. Oh, I'm not so far behind. I'm not as far behind as usual. <laughs> Just one more fish with Josh. Hey, Josh, glad you're here. Fish room is insulated, cool, drywalled, and just finished mud and tape. All right. 
Um, two MRW paint. Not quite sure what mold-resistant paint, I guess. And shelving this weekend. Hope to start videos and live stream in January. Crazy excited, but insanely busy. Oh, I feel you. I, I know the busy. I feel the burn. <laughs> I feel the burn. Like specifically in my arms and in my palm right here. From just lately, it's been uh, cordless drills just all day long. It's like a... It's like MMA fighters when they have the hand workout thing that they squeeze over and over again. Like my hands getting buff, but yeah, I know what you, I know what you mean. If you if you do have time uh, to make videos or throw up pictures as you go through the process, I love that stuff, and I know a lot of other people would like to see it too. Ty Hunsicker, did you insulate the garage door too? It can be done. I'm going to insulate the garage door and the windows as well. But I'm not going to do it until the aquariums have been have arrived because I want to be able to take them through the garage door on a pallet instead of individually through the little side door. That'd be a pain. Um, so here's what's happening. I've got all the racks pretty much in the positions they're going to be in. Tomorrow, I'm going to finish installing the uh, braces in each rack. There's only a few more to go put everything exactly where it's going to go, mark the uh, rafters above them on the center line so I know where to run the air and the water distribution lines and the electrical strip, the power strips. Then I will start installing all that. I'm going to have to move the racks out before the aquariums come because there isn't room to take all the aquariums and spread them out and drill them while the racks are in there. So I want the big old garage doors for that. So I'll take them out, drill and paint all the aquariums. As soon as that's done, I'll move the racks back in, put the aquariums on the racks. And at that point, I'll shut the garage doors and I'll insulate them. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to build a frame on the outside of the garage doors. Um, line it with styrofoam, the whole face of, okay, frame with plywood, basically seal up the garage door opening completely with plywood and two by fours, and then put insulation on that. So there'll be like four or six inches of insulation between the frame I'm going to build and the garage door itself. So if I'm ever done this, I just unscrew that frame. The insulation sticks to the frame and, um, then I have a garage door that works again. So I will have to take down the garage door hardware and motor and everything, but, um, but I'm not going to mess with the structure of the opening permanently, I guess. So yeah, Ty, I'm, I'm definitely going to do that. Same for the windows. I'll build a frame, put plywood on it, insulate the face of that plywood and, and put it over each window. So the windows are sealed as well. So goodbye daylight, <laughs> but when you have winters as harsh as I do, you just, heat is king. You do everything you can to prevent um, cold air from leaking in. Nocturnal Aquarist, any tips on disinfecting large and dense driftwood? Oof. I mean, I think what I would do if I had like a big piece of driftwood, and I, I know what you mean by dense, it's just super like, heavy 
like Malaysian driftwood or whatever. Um, what I think I would do is I would scrub it down as much as I could. And then I'd leave it out in the sun for a few days, you know, flip it a couple times. So each section of the driftwood is exposed to sun. That's what I would do. And let the radiation from the sun take care of bacteria and stuff. I mean, if it's a large piece, that's the best I can think of. You know, um, it's hard to boil a swimming pool, so you can put a large piece in there. It's unless you had like a massive oven, you could put it in or something. But I think for the average person, uh, just putting it outside in the sun for a while is good. Richard Crackle, happy holidays to all. Thanks, Richard. Right back at you. Happy holidays. David Reed, how often do you check the parameters of your tanks? Um, not often. Every now and then. It's probably been a month since I've checked the parameters of the tanks. I've been in this area on this water with this system long enough that I, I, I pretty much know what they're going to be at any point. And I change 30% of the water on every aquarium every day minimum. Some of the aquariums get, uh, I think, 50%. The quarantine tanks get 50%. So I'm exchanging enough water that there's in the system stable enough that I, I don't, I don't worry about it. So every now and then I'll check just to make sure I'm not missing anything, making sure that chlorine isn't creeping up on me or something. So I, I know I need to change my block filters. Um, the other time I will do it though, is if there's a problem in the tank. So if I have fish in a tank and there's some die off or some problem, one of the first things I check is ammonia and nitrite, just because nitrate's not such a big deal because of the constant water changes. But if ammonia and nitrite have gone up for some, some reason, that means there's a problem in the system. So I do check that if there's a problem in a tank, but haven't had a problem for quite a while. So, yep, haven't checked. You know, I guess I would say that's something I used to worry about a lot earlier in my fish keeping. I'd worry about pH and hardness and is it soft enough and all that. And I, I did that game where I tried to get optimal pH and I tried to get optimal softness because most of the fish I wanted to keep were black water species, West African killies and stuff like that. And all the literature said these need soft acidic water and stuff. So um, I didn't know any difference. So I, I checked and I tweaked and I them and I, I tried all that for a long time. And then as I got further along in my fish keeping career or experience, um, I just realized it's really not an issue almost. Sometimes if you're trying to breed, there are some species where hard water will be difficult for them. There are definitely some species that you don't want to keep in soft water. But um, in general, I don't find that the parameters matter so much as long as things are clean. Ammonia and nitrite. If there's no ammonia and nitrite, then generally the rest of the stuff, I mean, it could get way out of whack and be a problem. That just generally doesn't happen. So I don't check them that, that much. I don't, I don't worry about it, honestly. I do, though. I, I will say this. I, I keep a pretty close eye on my fish. So it, fish um, will tell me if there's an issue. I'll see, I'll just notice they aren't eating as vigorously or I'll notice 
you know, they just aren't as vibrant today or whatever. It doesn't even need to be a big thing. I, I feel like I'm in touch with them enough that I can, I can, I can tell when they aren't quite as happy as they were. And that's when I check. All right. Friday fish facts. There is one fish tuber. I would still love to interview. That's you. Hey, let's do it. I'm on board. Yeah. Let's set it up. Uh, give me an email, Dan at dancefish.com, And I'm there. I've also thought it might be fun. Um, if Bob and I did a, a live stream together, Bob Steen fought like on starting a fish business or building a fish room or something like that, just cause he's doing it right now and I'm doing it right now. And I was like, Hey, that might be fun if we both did something together and could talk about, Hey, did you notice this? Yeah. Or yeah, that wasn't a problem for me. Like just, yeah, get a deep dive into some topic like, um, starting a fish business or an online fish business or building a fish facility or something. So, but yeah, absolutely. Friday fish uh, facts. I'd be honored. I really would. Let's do it. Annalee test test received. Annalee (laughs) it's working again. Yes. (laughs) Okay. I made it down to just shrimp granny. And before I, Miss Annalie's super chat of $25. I'm going to get to it because I still feel super horrible that I missed all your super chats for weeks in a row. Um, Annalie, $25. Merry Christmas, Dan. I believe in you. Hashtag ozone. Annalie, thanks so much. Thanks for being here. Um, appreciate you being part of the community. And thanks for the uh, 25 bucks. Super helpful. Just made it to just shrimp granny's super chat. If you're wondering where we're at. Yeah. You know, I, I think that the, uh, the geophagus and the programmies could probably live together forever. Just shrimp granny. I don't, I don't see them ever being a, yeah, you could probably keep that community together long-term. They're both such peaceful fish. Jeremy Morell, what meds do you recommend for aggressive, possibly internal systematic fungal infections? Ah, MethBlue hasn't worked. Now I'm trying API fungus cure. Well, hmm. So I guess my first thing is I always wonder when people say I have fungus if they actually have fungus. There are a lot of bacterial infections that look very similar to fungus. So if you look at the wound or the area of infections, I'm assuming it's external. Um, Let me know if it's not, but I'm assuming this is external and that's why you've diagnosed it as fungus because you've seen some white stuff probably. Um, If the area of infection externally if the white stuff, if you look really closely and it looks like a dandelion head right before the dandelion seeds blow off. So it's, you know, dried out and you've got all these, um, straight little lines sticking out from almost a central point. If it looks like that, that's probably a fungus. So many times, though, it's cottony or it's just a white slime or white growth or something. That's often bacterial. 
Now, there are viruses that can cause these things too. But if you look at it and you see those straight little lines all poking out straight, then probably a fungus, in which case, yeah, go with the fungus treatment. But otherwise, my go-to is generally cantamycin and nitrofurazone. If you don't see any improvement after a few days, then maybe switch to a gram-positive antibiotic, triple sulfa or erythromycin, something like that. Now, as far as fungal infection medicines, um, I, it's been so long since I've treated one that nothing's really popping to mind, but I'm going to share a really informative website with you that I generally use when I run into something and I'm like, man, which medicine? I can't remember. It's been a while. Um, let's see here. And that is right here. It's an old clunky website, but the information is fairly comprehensive. And if you search around on here, you'll, you'll be able to find some information on fungus. For me, often Mardell Quick Cure or uh, ICX, something like that, something with formalin in it and malachite green, um, will help with a superficial fungus treatment. Clean water is king. So uh, clean water with some ick medicine often helps. It's been so long since I've had to go above and beyond that that I... I'm drawing a blank. Was it acroflavin? I can't even remember what it was that I would have used. Um, salt helps too. So if it's not a planted aquarium, I would recommend five grams of salt per liter, I believe. Let me double check before I tell you the wrong concentration <laughs> and kill all your fish with too much salt. Um, uh, fish med dosage sheet. Share this with you. So when I do salt, it's five grams per liter. Um, and that works pretty well um, in conjunction with ick medicine for treating superficial funguses. So that's my best for you, Jeremy. Um, my first thing, though, is make sure it's actually fungus. Um, if it's not, go with an antibiotic instead. Tasty fish sauce, $2. Hot ramens keep you warm. Yes, they do. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate the super chat. Ramen wages, indeed. Okay. Joe Coffee, do you know anywhere I can find a great deal on 50... <laughs> <laughs> Joe Coffee, thank you for shilling for me. If anyone wants some Mangano cichlids, I have some for dirt cheap, $2.50 each. Um, they were sent to me by mistake by my supplier. And um, yeah, <laughs> if you want them, I got them. Nocturnal Aquarist. Awesome. Thanks for the help, man. I found some big old pieces in a local creek. Cool. Yeah, so um, so now that I know that, I from the first post, I didn't know if it was in your tank for a while and you're trying to clean it or is a new piece from the store or what. Um, dry it a little bit. Scrub it down as much as you can. Leave it out in the sun for a little while. And then I would put it in your aquarium or, or start sinking it at that point. Whoops, got a little jumper here. Man, oh man. Scrolling, looking. Oh, jumped far. 
Here we are. 54 Punchy Dance Fish. Did you see Super Chat from Jess Shrimp Granny? I just did. Didn't I? Didn't I respond to that? Jess Shrimp Granny. Happy holidays. Fish I got from you tripled in size. Baby Geo. Yeah, I think I think we already read that. In case I didn't. Big Baby Geo is my favorite now. Still getting along with the Pearl Garami splendidly. Jess Shrimp Granny. A $5 Super Chat. I thought I'd already talked about that, but... I am kind of tired and I might be getting sick. So I appreciate the uh, reminder in case I didn't. And the super chat from Tasty Fish Sauce. Okay, okay. So this was a while ago. I'm just so uh, so far behind. 54 Punchy was making sure I saw those. Yeah, I did not see them earlier when they, when they popped up. So thank you, Pam, for bringing that to my attention. I appreciate that. I never want to miss super chats. In fact, let me make sure I haven't. All right. Nope. I'm all good at this point. I'm all caught up on that. All righty. Joe Coffee, candy canes, anise cookies, or gingerbread? If I had to choose one of them, it would be gingerbread. But it would be gingerbread cookies, not like a gingerbread house. More like a ginger snap, I guess. I like, because when you build a gingerbread house, it's got to be so like dense and durable. That stuff's no fun to eat. It's like eating, I don't know, wood. But um, if it's like a softer gingerbread, that's one of my favorites ever. Yeah. Just one more fish with Josh tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. Got it. Two MRW means tomorrow. You only got 200 characters per message. Yeah. Sorry. I I was like, what is that? Does that mean... <laughs> I thought it meant something specific, something different. <laughs> That's funny. Um, another one from Josh. Josh, <clears throat> Josh, sorry. Throat's getting a little scratchy. Just posted short video on the fish room to get Gills a Facebook page. Awesome. Um, I can't wait to see it. That's great. The Fish Tank Barn, another five bucks. Mike, thanks. Making it rain, $5 bills. Nickel notes, thank you. At Dan's Fish, what are you using for water distribution valves? I've been playing with different things for a while. So I'm using the Gemco water valve. It's plastic. It's like a black plastic valve. It's threaded so I can thread it into a PVC pipe. I don't like it. I'd much prefer to get the little brass valves um, that they used to have, but no one makes them anymore. I can't find any anymore. And if I do, then I only find like a couple for sale and they're super expensive. So Gemco used to provide brass water valves. That's what I wish I could find. But um, I talked to John and when I built this fish room down here and he told me that manufacturer no longer makes them. So I don't know where to buy them in bulk at a decent price. So I'm going with the plastic ones. I don't like them. That being said, I haven't had any problems with them. I haven't had them leak or fail or anything in this room. This is that's what's running this this basement room here behind me. Um, but man, I wish I could do the brass ones. So they're just cheap little plastic uh, externally threaded valves. This might help, Mike. Um, let me take you to Gemco and show you exactly what they are. I should do that. So for those that want to know, um, I think, is it under air accessories? Where did I find this? 
Where does he have all the valves? Um, I'm just going to type valve. All right. They're under air accessories, of course. Here they are. So this is them. And the one I got, I didn't get the barbed one because I wanted to actually screw in. So I got this one. It's a threaded valve. Um, but it's just a cheap little plastic. It looks almost like a drip system component. And I don't like it. But it's what works. Excuse me. Tasty fish sauce. I'm interested to see your $600 glass drill in action. Please post a vid. I will. I will post a vid. Um, when I drilled the tanks for this room, I used the same drill press setup. And so there are videos out on that, including one where I absolutely busted a tank. It was tempered and I didn't know it. And uh, I think it was a 55 gallon. I think I did a 30 gallon too. And I was drilling and I'm like halfway through. It's going fine. Then suddenly... Bam! It sounds like a gunshot. It's just like, boom! The whole thing just went, the whole plate shattered. Then I was like, oh, that was tempered. <laughs> and those were tanks that I didn't buy. They were just given to me by friends. So there was no brand on them or anything. They were super old. I didn't know how to look up if they were tempered or not. And I know you can do the little like 3D glasses thing with the screen and all that, but I didn't. So I busted them. But yeah, I'll make some videos of that tasty fish sauce for sure. Zach Billings, Poseidon Fish Store opened in Loveland. That sounds good. And it closed only six months later. That doesn't sound good. So sad because it was only five minutes from my house. Well, then I was five minutes from your house because I remember going there. Yeah, Loveland sounds right. And only closed six months later. Man. Oh, that is so sad. Because I, I think I saw some videos of it after it opened and it looked pretty fancy, but they probably just burned through money before they could get profitable. That happens so often. Um, I feel for them, though. All that work, all that money. That's rough. I hope they landed on their feet. Richard Crackle had problems with black beard algae on driftwood. Anything to do to prevent that? Yeah, don't keep fish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know how you prevent blackbeard algae. I mean, once you first see it before it totally infests, then you can like do hydrogen peroxide or I've heard tell there are some fish that eat it. I've heard, the best fish I've had for keeping algaes down has, has been Siamese algae eaters. I can't remember if they ate blackbeard algae specifically or not, but um no, Richard, I, I don't know how to prevent it. I just know to treat it. And I usually don't worry about it. If I get it, I throw in water sprite and I let the water sprite outcompete it. And some Siamese algae eaters, uh, or I take the infested rock or plant or whatever, and I put it in my scud culture and the scuds will just eat it down. So that's kind of how I treat it, but I don't know how to prevent it. Patricia, Patricia Kloppel found blackbeard algae on my Anubius. What is the best method to get rid of it? So the best method to get rid of it, I think my preferred thing is to put it in a scud culture. So if you can get a, scud, a, a culture of scuds or amphipods going, 
and just keep it there. Anytime you have an algae problem, just take out whatever has the algae problem, put it in that culture. It'll be clean within a week, sometimes less. Depends on how many scuds you have, I guess. But that's how I clean up my plants. That's my favorite way to do it because it doesn't harm the plants. There's no chemicals and it feeds the scuds. And then I get more scuds and feed them to my fish. So, but as far as how to treat it on Anubias, I'm going to ask people in the chat if they have any ideas. I, I mean, do you want to put hydrogen peroxide on your Anubias? Like, I don't know. I'm not that versed with plants. So I would hate to tell you a way to do it that would kill your Anubias. All right. Just reached Annalise's super chat. Thank you again, Annalise. I hope you are hanging 10 and having a good time. One day, it's got to be a big fish event in Hawaii. That would be fun. Michael Wentworth, fish miss at Dan's Fish. Thanks for the opportunity. Enjoy your holidays. Hey, Michael, thank you as well. And thanks for modding the uh, Get Gills Facebook group. I really appreciate it. Oh, jumped on me. (laughs) Hang on. Okay. (laughs) I got there. Aftershock bettas. Woohoo! Fishmas. Impeached? We're not getting political, are we? Great day, Dance Fish. Dan rocks, Dance Fish. We love Dan. Dan for president. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Aftershock bettas. <laughs> um, Jeremy Morell, very long, one half centimeter long strands coming from central point in multiple spots on the body. Earlier, it also had long, wispy single strands, several inches long, the fungus looks like. Oh, half centimeter long. Yeah. And if they're straight and concentrated, like not just one, but like a big group of them, like like a dandelion head. Um, yeah. Weird. That's, I mean, that's, they can get that long for sure. Multiple spots on the body. I was out of picture or, or being there to see it. Um, sounds like it could be fungus. So do folks here have a cure? I haven't treated uh, aggressive fungus in so long that I would have to go look up what to use. Cause I don't remember, but acroflavin jumps into my mind. Um, but I can't remember potassium permanganate can't remember exactly so if folks here have um recent experience doing that if you let us know what you used so we can help jeremy out that would be great all right texas fish factory hey welcome i just eat the candy off the gingerbread house yeah absolutely it can get a little weird though with the frosting and it like absorbs the moisture and yeah, it can get a little, <laughs> a little funky, <laughs> but yeah, I remember as a kid, we'd build gingerbread houses and I couldn't wait till after Christmas. Cause that's when I was allowed to just tear the candy off and shove it in my mouth. It was a good time. Jeremy Morell, I've tried XX, okay, Epsom salts, general cure, erythromycin, meth blue, and currently the fungus cure. I lost the male weeks ago. It's still not looking good for the female. I'm sorry, Jeremy. I, I mean, this, I know I say this a lot, but this is the part in our, our hobby and our industry where we are weakest. Just, we don't 
have access to a lot of the veterinarians or experts or whatever. We just don't, as hobbyists, know enough to actually identify organisms and treat for that organism. And so we kind of shotgun it like you're doing. Often that's the best we can do. Um, you know, there. hopefully some folks are chiming in with better ideas uh, down down low that are like, hey, I had something similar and this happened. But it's so hard also to even know what we're talking about just through a description or a picture or something um, without being there and seeing it in person. <clears throat> and then even when you see something in person, there are often multiple types of uh, organisms or problems that could create a symptom that looks like that. So like ick, there are over 20 organisms that create white spots on the body of a fish. And ick's only one of them. And so when we say my fish has ick, there's a one in 20 chance it has actually ick. It could have lots of different things. And that's, I think, where we get ideas like, hey, this is super ick because the ick medicine isn't treating it. Well, maybe, but it's more likely it's a completely different organism altogether. And that's why the medicine isn't treating it. So I understand it's frustrating. I wish I could help you more, but from a distance, it's hard. And even with my own fish, when something's wrong, most of the time, it's a guessing game. Most of the time, it's like, well... Looks like it's a bacteria, so I'll try canamycin nitrofurazone. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll try triple sulfa. Oh, that didn't work. I, I hope to, but I don't plan to. Um, it's just a money time thing. So it depends on how the business is doing. It depends on how profitable we are. And it depends on how much time it's, it's taking it that, it, it, you know, in June. So if I can, I will absolutely be there. I love those events. But when you're just starting a business, it's, it's hard to do anything but grind on the business. Um, yeah, like, especially now when I'm not just running the business, I'm expanding it and doing all that building and stuff. If you've noticed, I don't think I've posted any videos for a while. <laughs> like the last video I think is probably the live stream from last week. Um, for those that have emailed me, sometimes it's taken a couple days to get back. Um, so it's, it's just, it's a time and money thing to grind, but it's a good grind. I'm happy, but I am tired. I'm very tired. Uh, but I'm, I'm so looking forward to this. Rockford Fishkeeping. Wait for part two of the book scan about disease. Okay, cool. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, oh no. So I, it did this thing, chat disconnected. So what I'm going to try to do here is refresh this whole thing. That should reconnect chat. But it'll probably make it so that I lose some stuff. Sorry, folks. Um, if you left a message and I'll scroll up as far as I can. Get back to live chat. I'll scroll up as far as I can and try to get to folks I missed. But the furthest I can go up is Killers Aquatics. Invest in Dan's Fish. Go fund me in the link to that. Thank you, Bob, for linking that. Um, so if I missed you, I'm sorry, but when chat freezes, which with 
YouTube's still working out the kinks in its new live streaming studio. And for some reason, every stream chat disconnects at some point. Um, and then I have to refresh and restart it. And, and I can't scroll up to see some stuff I missed. So I apologize. If I missed you, please repost it. And I will gladly get to it uh, if I can before we run out of time here. We've got 12 more minutes. Jeremy Lichen, so true. Salt and water changes is what I use for ick. Works almost every time. Use salt lightly, though. Yeah, I use five grams per liter um, is what a doctor, what is it, Dr. Richmond Lowe recommends. So he's an actual aquatic vet. He, he treats fish all the time. And so I didn't just make that up. That's an actual dosage from him. So unless there's a species that's very sensitive to salt, and honestly, I haven't found that species. But if there were such, then you would maybe not want to use such a high concentration. But five grams per liter has worked well for me for a long time. Dave Jenkins buffering. Yeah, um, that's probably when it says that we're excellent stream is healthy now. But yep, there must have been a time when something funky happened buffered and we lost chat so sorry about that small fry aquatics no video at all oh it got bad yep i guess it's so cold in wyoming that dan froze <laughs> oh i can't i was faking freezing but there's fish swimming behind me so that doesn't work <laughs> we're back and in 20 minutes he'll realize that it was broken yes jeremy that is how i roll um just one more fish with Josh. If it's a money thing, I can have a place for you to stay. I hope you get along with my in-laws. <laughs> There's a mother-in-law joke there, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Kid-friendly channel. Rockford Fishkeeping. What's the recommended dose for Epsom salt? Rockford, I've honestly never used Epsom salt, so I don't know. Or, okay, I don't want to say I've never used it. I haven't used it in so long that I don't remember. Um, I would refer you to that a website that I linked earlier, they probably have some information on it. Or does anyone here use Epsom salt successfully? If you do, would you link it for uh, Rockford to see? I just haven't had a constipated fish for a long time. BDK 1320. I have a guppy swimming at the surface with flared gills. Rest of the tank seems fine. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've, that's fairly common with guppies. The problem is it can be caused by so many different things. So um, if everyone else is fine, then it's probably not an environmental issue like oh, low oxygen or high ammonia or something. But it might not hurt to check ammonia and nitrite. If those are all good, then you might treat with some, for something with uh, – for gill flukes. Something like flubendazole um, can really help with stuff like that because it could be a parasite that's directly infecting the gills. But that's just a guess. There's many kinds of parasites that can do that. And there's bacterial infections that can cause that behavior as well. So that's where I would start, though, is ammonia high or nitrites high. Um, then I think some kind of gill parasite is what I go for to start. That being said, I am not a veterinarian. This is just just what I do. And sometimes works for me and sometimes doesn't. Texas Fish Factory, have you ever used marine salt to hatch live baby brine? 
I got a good deal on some, but I don't have any saltwater tanks, so I'm trying to find a use for it. I haven't, but uh, you could totally do it. It should work fine. Marine salt should hatch brine without any problems. And for everybody, by the way, I mean, since you have it, you might as well use it, right? For everybody that is trying to hatch brine shrimp, it really is the easiest thing in the world as long as you have some kind of inverted container that you can aerate vigorously. You don't need to do special salts. You don't need to like, is the GH and KH high enough and all that? No. Um, I have super soft water here. Sometimes it's even acidic. All I use is cheap rock salt. The stuff you melt ice on your driveway with is all I use. I don't, I don't buffer the hardness. I don't worry about KH or GH or calcium carbonate or any of that stuff. And I've done it this way here in soft water that's sometimes acidic. I've done this in other areas I've lived with really hard alkaline water. They've always been fine. As long as you have a good inverted container where you have the right airflow to keep the egg suspended in solution, I don't think you'll have a problem. I really don't. I don't put a light on that or anything like that. Um, it's about as bare bones and easy as it gets. So for those that are scared of baby brine shrimp patching it, because you've read, hey, you need to have this KH or GH and add magnesium and add calcium and add uh, and all this and have a light and keep it at 83 degrees and all that. No, you can hatch it at many temperatures, many different hardnesses, many different water parameters without, without a problem. It's if I could only have one live food ever in my life, it would be baby brine shrimp. That's the one I would keep. It's got the most utility. It's super simple. Pugamus Maximus. Hello. I always picture this like little pug dog with like a Superman cape. Whenever I see your, your username, Pugamus Maximus. <laughs> <laughs> I use the cylinder hatchery and it is super easy. I use natural salt. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Kids Aquatics, he's lost it. Did I, did I, me, I assume. Oh, I lost it years ago, but what did I lose specifically? We're probably talking about the chat jumping or something. Okay. We've reached the bottom of the chat. So I think we're going to go ahead and draw here pretty soon. If you have a question or comment you want me to get to, um, please do leave it now because we're about to close out. So I will go ahead and do the drawing and then I will get back and uh, see if there was anything since we're going to draw a little before the end of the stream. This will be a first. Patrick Stevenson, years ago I used table salt to hatch brine shrimp. Yeah, it, it's all it all works for me. I just buy the big old bags of ice melt salt because um, or water softener salt or whatever because it's super cheap and I use a lot of it. I, I hatch brine shrimp pretty much every day. And I also use it for quarantine and acclimating new fish and all kinds of stuff. Salt's super useful. Just make sure that it's sodium chloride and not like potassium chloride or something. As long as it's sodium chloride, you're good. Lumpy dog. For those with a single tank or only a few, <clears throat> hatch brine shrimp at a cooler temperature, they'll hatch out over a longer time period. That way you get multiple feedings from the same batch. Yeah, good point. Like, are you talking 75 degrees or so, like room temperature lumpy? Jeremy Morale, can internal parasites lead to swim bladder or buoyancy issues? I'm assuming they could. Um, it's not generally 
the first thing I think of when I think of when I think of swim bladder issues and, and stuff, but I'm sure that they could. Bob Kaler, no, Lumpy Dog told Candy she was looking beautiful tonight. I said he's lost it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, got it. <clears throat> Mike Sackett, wish, wish has, wish the air valves in, wish has air valves in stainless, not brass though. Oh yeah. So the air valves, I have the brass, I have the stainless steel air valves or nickel plated or whatever. The, the air valves are metal, but the water valves aren't. Um, the water valves used to be in brass and that was great. Now they're just in plastic and it's just hard to trust a cheap little plastic. Um, but yeah, but I hear you. The air valves, I definitely use the metal ones. I don't use the cheap little plastic ones. Yeah. <laughs> Bob is trolling you. He can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Monica Lynn, glad you're here. Thanks for liking the stream. Here we go. Let's do the giveaway. This is going to be for, um, whew, hang on, super tired. Oh yeah, six Emperor Carry Tetras that I will send to you after New Year's. Let's go ahead and do the drawing. We have 112 eligible users. I see 54 Punchy there, so I know that the mods are able to enter, which is good. That's what I want. I wonder what it means when Mark is ineligible. Mark eligible. I wonder if these are members of the chat that just haven't entered is why it's not marked eligible. I'm guessing that's what it is. Aquarium Cops, so good to see you. It's been a while. Welcome. But here we go. Drum roll. And the winner is Aquaballs. Aquaballs, you have won. So please let us know you're here. You do have to be present to win. Um, and we'll go from there. But congratulations, Aquaballs. You've got a minute to let us know you're here. In the meantime, okay, Candy posting my email so you can email me to claim your winnings. See, is he here? I didn't miss it, did I? I tend to miss a lot. Aquaballs is here. Okay, Aquaballs, if you would email me, dan at dansfish.com, give me your first and last name and the address you would like me to mail them to, then I will do that. Uh, Probably January 6th or 7th, but I'll keep you tuned if it's going to be a little later than that. Um, Dan, check for Lumpy Dog. I didn't enter. See if I'm checked. Okay, let's do that. That will be a good exercise. Let's get down to the L's. Lumpy Dog did not enter. Okay, yeah, that must be what it is. Yep. Cool. All right. Glad. uh, Congratulations, Aquaballs. Glad you won. And I'll look forward to your email. Last Raven 215. Do you know of a fish that's a community fish but will pick off library fry? I do. Think of, of adding my Colombian Tetras to the library tank. My favorite fish for live bear fry control, let me show it to you, is there's a few, but generally it's the Aplicylus or Epiplates species. They're surface dwelling killifish and they do a great job. Um, let's see if I still have it. This one. This is the one I prefer. It's Aplicylus blockii. It's, a, it's a, a pretty little killifish. The reason I like it 
is it stays small, maybe an inch and a quarter for a really big one. And so it's small enough that it can only eat, you know, fairly small fry. So it's not going to bother juveniles. It's not going to bother the adults or anything like that. They're little predators. They have a strong hunting drive. So they cruise around looking for little things to eat like little baby fish. And in my opinion, they do a good job. Now, a Colombian tetra might do okay as well. The, the issue with tetras and other non-like hunter fish, fish that aren't like just driven to hunt pretty much constantly, is that they might get a few and they might be very effective. But generally what happens is fish like that, they'll, they'll try. And if there's plants and stuff and the little live bear fry can get away, once a tetra has failed a few times, then it learns that that's not a food item, even though it is. It's like, I tried, it didn't work. I tried, it didn't work. I tried, it didn't work. Uh, a little bit of that, and they kind of stopped trying. Whereas the Aplicylus and Epiplates species, um, their instinct is to specifically cruise and hunt for living little things to eat. And they kind of do it all day long, and they don't lose uh, the drive. Yeah. Rockford fish keeping, those cichlids would be good at eating fry. Just saying, yeah, the mangano. I've got 54 mangano for you. That'll take care of your live bear problem. It'll take care of fry, adults, juveniles, everything. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to end the stream. Thanks again for being here, everybody. I really appreciate it. We are not going to stream again until January 8th, just because Christmas and New Year's both happen to fall on the next two Wednesdays. So, um, appreciate my mods. Thanks so much. Everyone that gave a super chat. It really does help. I very much appreciate it. It's never required, but it's appreciated and it does make the wife super happy. And, and in all seriousness, it, there have been months when it's been the difference between, um, getting super desperate and scared and being able to pay all the bills on time. <laughs> it's, it does help. Um, next shipping date is January 6th, perhaps the 7th. Depends on how my anniversary goes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and with that, um, thanks to everyone that left comments and questions. Appreciate you help keeping it lively. All you lurkers, I'm with you. And everyone watching on the replay, thanks so much. Until January 8th, have a good one. Happy holidays. I hope everyone's safe and has an enjoyable holiday. Until next time, uh, bye-bye.